Good evening, everyone. Just to introduce myself, my name is uh, John Percival, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm now going to try and uh, draw a few of the strings together and uh, round everything up by talking for a few minutes about the story of the wise men that has just been read to us. We were, of course, expecting uh, eight um, voices of Christmas all together. So far, I think we've had seven. Um, the wise men have been taking rather longer to cross the desert than we originally anticipated. Uh, they've been having problems with their camels, I, I believe, and uh, unfortunately aren't able to uh, be with us here this evening. There was a, a circular email going around some time ago, which was... Um, speculating about what things might have been like if it had been some wise women who turned up at the stable rather than the wise men. For a start, unlike the men, the women, it says, would have been sure to have asked directions. They would have arrived on time to deliver the child, having already cleaned the stable and made a casserole. <laughs> and it also adds that they would have probably brought rather more practical gifts. Well, that kind of thing makes for interesting speculation. It is, of course, not the main point of the story of the wise men. Instead, the main point of the story is how these wise men, these uh, magi, these mystic travellers from the east, came to find Christ at Christmas time. And as such, their story is a model for us about how we can come to find Jesus too. Like the wise men, each of us finds ourselves on a spiritual journey. And like them, we will discover that there are three very brief stages in that journey that we need to experience as well. Number one, the star. The first thing that we discover is that God met these wise men where they were at. And he used the star to guide them towards spiritual things. If it's true that these magi were astrologers from the east, then an unusual star in the sky would have been the logical way to get through to them and to tell them that someone important was about to be born. No, that's not really saying that God approves of astrology. What it is saying is that wherever we are in our lives, that God is looking for us. And there's ways of meeting us where we are at and getting through to us in the individual circumstances where we are as human beings. Perhaps the most obvious example is that feeling of, uh, of spirituality that many of us have. I meet lots of folk who say that spirituality is, is something that's really important to them even if they're not exactly sure what they mean by it. And that can be something that God uses. You know, everyone becomes a Christian in different ways. No two stories are ever the same. For these wise men, it was a, a star. For you, it may well be something else. I don't know what it will be, but I do know that God will use something to speak to you and reach into your life. However, the problem with this star was that it wasn't really very specific. I mean, you can't really get very much information from a star, can you? The wise men needed something else to help them on their spiritual quest. And we do as well. So that moves us on. Number two, the scriptures. When these wise men reached Judea, 
They presumed that the logical place to look for a new king would be the royal palace. And so they went to see the ageing and ill and tyrannical ruler, King Herod. Not unsurprisingly, King Herod wasn't exactly over the moon to discover that there was a different king had been born in a town. And so he called all his theologians and religious uh, advisors together to tell him whereabouts it was that this new king was going to be born. They went immediately to the Old, Old Testament, the first half of the scriptures, and they read an ancient prophecy there that said that the chosen one, or Messiah, was going to be born in Bethlehem, only five miles from Jerusalem. The scriptures told the wise men exactly where they needed to go to find Jesus. It also told them that this Jesus wasn't going to be a cruel and harsh dictator like King Herod, but a gentle and compassionate shepherd who would care for his people and look after them. For the wise men, the highlight of their stay at the royal palace was a Bible study. They needed the scriptures to tell them about Jesus. And it's exactly the same for us. The first stirrings of God's work in our hearts can only lead us so far. At some stage, we need more specific information. We need to, to start reading the truth about Jesus for ourselves. So maybe something that you could do this Christmas time is read one of the Gospels for yourself. Some of the modern translations, for instance, that are available are very readable and you could easily read through one of the Gospel accounts of Jesus' life, death and resurrection in a couple of hours. And if you do that, you will find that it will guide you spiritually towards Jesus. What was true for these wise men will be true for you as well. The scriptures will point you to Christ. And that brings us to our third and last point, the Saviour. The climax of this story and the scene that you most often see on Christmas cards is when the wise men finally find the king that they've been looking for and immediately worship him and offer him gifts. The first thing that we read is that they were filled with joy. And then we read as well that they gave him gifts. There are obviously various different theories about uh, what these gifts actually represent. One of the commonest is that the gold represents Christ's kingship, incense his divinity, and myrrh his sacrificial death. One other is that of the medieval theologian, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who said that the gold was to finance the trip to Egypt, the incense was to make the stable um, smell nice, and the myrrh was to rid the infant Christ of intestinal worms. What the gifts represent doesn't really make any difference. The important thing here is that they were valuable gifts. The kind that would have been given to any great king at the time of his birth. They were expensive. An expression of worship and adoration. And then this too is the incident most commonly recorded in Christian art through the years in this um, painting coming up on the scene. You on the screen behind me, you can see the wise men offering Jesus their gifts. However, if you look carefully in the top left-hand corner, you can also see something else happening. You can see some soldiers coming to the stable with their spears, and you can see this ominous-looking wooden cross above the beams in the background. Then there's a, another painting coming up here. Again, you can see the wise men offering their gifts. But this time, there is a lone tree on a hill in the distance, prefiguring Jesus' death that was to come. 
And in many ways, these artists were only reflecting what they read here in the story. You see, the hatred of the political authorities and the religious leaders towards Jesus would increase as he grew up. The, a, a title used here, the King of the Jews, would one day hang from his cross. His own people would reject him. And it would be pagan, superstitious Gentiles from the ends of the earth who would be the most responsive to his gospel message. I think this reminds us what it means for us to come and worship Jesus this Christmas time. One thing it doesn't mean is getting sentimental about a baby in a manger. Instead, it means that we remember why Jesus really came which is because God is so angry with the world that he needed a rescue plan to save us from his great wrath. What he decided to do was take it on himself and so he sent his only son, Jesus, to die in our place. One other thing is that we don't worship Jesus by bringing him our gifts like these wise men did. Instead, we worship him by bringing our whole lives to him, asking his forgiveness, and then living life his way, under his control. And that is a point that we all have to reach on our spiritual journey. Without Christ, the journey will always be incomplete and inauthentic. It is only when we come to him as saviour and acknowledge him as our rightful ruler that we cease to be foreigners and outsiders and become his people, experiencing the same joy that these wise men did in the passage. So then, the main application of this for each of us is for us to make progress in our spiritual journeys wherever we are at. If you're here perhaps and you've never really thought about God, maybe you need to identify his still small voice speaking to you for the first time. If you know that God is there, you maybe now need to move on and get some more specific information about him by reading the scriptures for yourself to find out the truth about Jesus, who he was, why he came, why he died. And once you've understood that, you need to come to him, to bow down before him, to acknowledge that he is Lord and worship him with all of your life. You see, the spiritual journey of these wise men can be our spiritual journey tonight. Let's make sure that we are making progress. Let's make sure that we are moving forwards in our spiritual journeys wherever we are at. Let's make sure that we come to find Christ this Christmas time by coming to worship him for all that he is with all of who we are. Let's close by singing a final carol together.